0: R- RTI International's Justice Practice, Practice Area presents Justice Science. Welcome to Just Science, a podcast for justice professionals and anyone interested in learning more about forensic science, innovative technology, current research, and actionable strategies to improve the criminal justice system. In Episode 7, of our case study season, Science sat down with Ross Kruanka, product manager for Idemia, and Mike Ransom, automated print manager for the Michigan State Police, to discuss the development and use cases of contactless fingerprint capture technology. Traditionally, ink and paper are used to capture fingerprints from subjects. However, advances in technology have made it possible to document fingerprints electronically. Furthermore, technological advancements have made it possible to capture fingerprints without subjects physically encountering fingerprint sensors or being touched by law enforcement. Listen along as Ross and Mike describe the process of adapting industry fingerprint technology to the public safety field, how contactless fingerprint capture technology can benefit individuals with special needs and preferences, and the impact of this technology on the future of identification. This episode is funded by the National Institute of Justice's Forensic Technology Center of Excellence. Some content in this podcast may be considered sensitive and may evoke emotional responses or may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Here's your host, Jacqueline McKay.
1: Hello and welcome to Just Science. I'm your host, Jacqueline McKay with the Forensic Technology Center of Excellence, a program of the National Institute of Justice. On today's episode, we will discuss contactless fingerprint capture technologies. Here to guide us in this discussion is Mobile Solutions Product Manager, Ross Kuenka, and Automated Print Manager, Michael Ransom. Welcome, Ross and Michael. Thank you for talking with us today.
2: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you.
1: Ross, I'm going to direct the first question to you. Can you provide a little information about your background and how you became involved with mobile technologies?
3: Sure. So I'm a product manager with Idemia, and i uh, Primarily, my, my job focuses on solutions for officers in the field to help identify people when, when they don't have ID or, or they can't uh, provide their names. So I have a background building applications and working with mobile devices and, you know, really kind of focused on that uh, for the last few years uh, at Idemia and uh, contactless fingerprints really plays into that.
1: Mike, can you describe your background and how you came to supervise the automated technologies at Michigan State Police?
3: Yeah,
2: so before I was... uh automated print manager, I actually did a lot of uh, computer programming and um, some SQL and report programming. So after a a bit, I thought that that was a nice fit. And so um, I've been working with fingerprints for uh, about nine years now.
1: Nice. Well, Ross, technology is always advancing and now it's possible to capture fingerprints without having to come into contact with subjects like traditional fingerprint sensors. Can you describe how this technology actually works?
3: So, I mean, Really, the big difference between uh, contact fingerprint capture and contactless. Um, obviously, we have to deal with the distortion that's caused on a, a physical contact uh, fingerprint but really the, how the technology advances with a lot of contactless solutions is um, we're actually taking a high uh, rate video feed of your fingers or while they pass through a device or if you put them in front of a phone. And then the technology is advanced to the point where you can look at the individual frames and pick out those that capture the fingerprint and refine them so that they could be used for for search. So really the, the technology is just kind of moved from a actual touch contact to uh, a video stream of of fingers. And like I said, the technologies is advanced enough to where it can just pick out the frame of the best image.
1: Could you expand on what kind of contactless fingerprint capture technologies are available and what type of cases they support?
3: Sure. Yeah, the contact fingerprints have actually been around for quite some time. Some of the earlier products were available on the market almost about 10 years ago. So you just haven't really heard of them and they just haven't had a lot of adoption. But the earliest devices for contactless were, were physical devices that usually included, you know, up to four different cameras inside the device that's pointing at uh, a subject's fingers at different angles as they either pass through the device or put their hands in the device a lot of these devices early on uh, were used for access management so you just typical access into office buildings that kind of thing that technology has been available for a little bit in the private sector and and now we're seeing advancements uh, with you know mobile devices and essentially having you know a product that, that you don't even need extra hardware for. You can just leverage your, your phone to do that. But yeah, th- there have been some early, early advancements in physical devices that you'll see out there. And I think as contactless becomes more popular, some of those kind of stationary devices with multiple cameras will be more popular in the industry for sure.
1: What about the strengths and possible limitations of this technology? Can you talk about that a little sure. bit?
3: Sure. Yeah, no No problem. You know, with contactless, uh, you know, first and foremost, uh, you know, your software has to be able to deal with the distortion of a fingerprint. So when you take a traditional fingerprint, you know, you're usually pressing down on a platen or a piece of glass, and it's it's spreading out your fingerprints a little bit when you do that. So uh, when you take a contactless fingerprint, it, it's just an image. There's no compression on the finger. So the matching algorithms have to take that in, into account when they're trying to match contactless fingerprints against contact prints. You know, so there's a, an adjustment to the algorithm matching that will need to occur in order to actually match as far as you know some of the limitations of contactless uh, you know it really does perform a lot better than than contact devices when you talk about dirtiness on the fingers or wet fingers or even the different environmental conditions but you do have to be you know depending on what type of capture device you're using you have to be mindful of the scenario you're trying to capture fingers in if you don't have a if you're trying to do it with a phone you have to be mindful of the background and kind of some other things that are going on because Sometimes it is difficult to actually identify uh, which fingers you're trying to get captured, especially when you're using a phone. So, you know, there's not a lot of drawbacks to contactless. And I think that's why we feel like in the future, this is going to replace contact fingerprints. Right now, I think there's maybe some fringe cases that are still being worked out. But for the most part, not a lot of drawbacks to the actual contactless.
1: So I know proper technique for taking a 10 print card is to pretty much roll from the edge of the fingernail to the other edge of the fingernail. And obviously, you know, fingers are rounded. So with the contactless, how can you get that entire area of the friction ridge skin? Yep.
3: Yep. Yeah. So we're, you know, one of the things you're trying to really get is from nail to nail on all the fingers. So I'll talk about two different capture devices. Uh, again, the, some of the earlier contactless devices that have been developed that have stationary cameras within the device, they're actually pointing at the finger at different angles. And because of that, you can get a really wide fingerprint that pretty much goes from nail to nail. You, you can actually get the sides of it. With an actual mobile phone, you don't have the advantage of having multiple cameras. So you do have one that's looking directly onto the finger. So you do miss some of that edge. However, the technology is advancing to the point where I know that we're looking at solutions that could possibly, you know, where you move your device in order to get the rest of the finger. Some of the newer phones come equipped with the LiDAR technology that could be leveraged to to get a better picture. Um, so we're constantly looking for ways to improve the the use case on the mobile phone. But... For some of the physical devices that exist today that do contactless, the camera positioning actually allows you to get nail from nail.
1: Mike, I'm going to toss this next question to you. Can you discuss how this technology has been implemented in your agency?
3: Uh, sure. Uh, Michigan State's actually
2: been using mobile ID technology for over 10 years, and even prior from when I got to the position. Back in the day, we were using the old technology with BlackBerry phones, so it kind of tells you how far we go back. But um, going forward, uh, contact technology has improved and improved. And so we are very happy with our contact technology and we're using it really well in Michigan and and using it quite a lot. After a while, my uh, division director had uh, come in and said, hey, you know, let's supplement a little bit of this contact technology with contactless. And uh, he's, you know, was, a lot of it was due to the, there's a lot of upfront costs in, in equipment stuff for the contact technology. So at the time it was, it was hitting a rate about 75%. And uh, me, myself, I, I always thought if, if someone says it's a hit, I want it to be a hit. I don't want it to be 75%. And I don't want people thinking that it's, you know, and But he said, well, it's better than nothing. And so um, since he was the division director, I said, okay, yes, sir. So we moved forward and um, we started uh, looking at different vendors for contactless. And once you put the word out there that you're going to something, their vendors are going to come out of the woodwork. And really there was nobody who had a good solution. I, um, we actually had people coming with styrofoam boxes saying, this is what it would be if we had one, you know, so we decided to uh, approach idemia and because they had done had been doing the morph Wave for a long time which is a another contact solution and uh, we weren't really impressed with what they had and after a while as technology got better we started investing a little bit more and, and then we started working with them and um, we've worked with them for like three or four years to take a solution that was going to be a proof of concept and actually turn it into a real solution and right now in the field we're really in a testing phase because the fbi has not officially approved it to hit their databases so we can't what we call officially approved in Michigan, but we do have some in the fields that are, are working on their testing in a pilot phase along with the contact technology, and the reviews are positive.
1: That's really exciting that the technology has been overwhelmingly positive. Could you discuss kind of what sort of case examples that this would be used in?
2: So we have a few. Contactless is very strong. Uh, a lot of the in the field, the officers... I did not know this when we started doing mobile ID, but they fingerprint the individual when they're in handcuffs. And with a contactless technology um, where the screen is actually facing you when you're taking the photos, it actually is a a huge advantage to the contact technology where they can't see the fingerprint quality or they can't see how they're taking it. Also, another... uh, um, use case that I'm pretty excited about is I tend to uh, champion the special needs and have programs for that fingerprinting them. And for hypersensitive kids who don't like to be touched at all, we can actually identify them without physically going hands-on and which will uh, limit the trauma to them greatly as if we find them in the field.
1: So in thinking about the future, how would you like to see this technology expand? And then are there any other areas that might still need improvements?
2: Yeah, so I I see a, a bright future for contactless. Currently, we about a year ago we tested it against contactless in a controlled environment, and really we're getting a 97% hit rate contactless versus a 99% hit rate for contact. So I can definitely see it going forward and being the way of the future. Uh, I know a lot of officers are very concerned about residue on platins and you know drugs and stuff and and dirt and and uh, so um, it's one of those things where I think they're going to enjoy it once it goes full screen. There are advantages and disadvantages to like any technology. So, like I said, we can have other use cases where we we can use context a little better, but the learning curve is a little higher. So um, like Ross uh, alluded to earlier, sometimes the, fo- the phone is trying to focus on the background or sometimes. And so uh, that's kind of one of the challenges we're going to have as far as teaching them. But I do see this the future. And um, as technology increases, I mean, we may even be able to do, you know, things at more of a distance and, and such like that. So I can see
3: it being a great thing.
1: Ross, do you have anything else to add?
3: Uh, yeah, I think from an industry perspective, you know, kind of of The way we're looking at it at at, at DIMIA is, uh, you know, first step is to establish contactless as as the standard for criminal searches for law enforcement, right? You know, in those situations, you're taking fingerprints from an individual, you're not enrolling them, you're you're simply trying to search against a database, right? So we want to establish contact devices and law enforcement and and make sure that that use case is something that we pursue. Um, I think the the next step after that is to really take a long, hard look at at enrollment and contactless enrollment, right? So this is replacing your your traditional live scans or, or other enrollment devices um, with contactless devices. And like Mike said, you know the technology, you know, is is moving that direction. I'm sure there'll be advancements before everything is said and done. But yeah, from from a logical perspective, I think, You know, we really want to establish contact lists as as uh, the way to to search. And then, you know, soon after that, uh, you know, look at ways how we can start taking fingerprints for enrollments um, in a a contactless way.
1: So, Mike, you mentioned that this technique can be used in the field to take fingerprints of individuals uh, that are in handcuffs. So officers on the street can use this technique Can you explain a little bit about how they would be trained and what all that would entail?
2: So uh, technology nowadays is usually pretty self-explanatory i mean the application walks them through the steps step by step it's it's not very difficult training really i could talk to an officer five minutes they'd be up and running um, the biggest problem now is a better photographer is going to be a better fingerprint taker so um, the the folk it's all about the camera focus and such and with the newer technology the newer phones even that's being eliminated a little bit more and so um, it, it's really almost out of the box you can use it it's not a lot of training to,
3: needed
1: ross is there anything you want to add
3: yeah with so IDEMIA's mobile biometric check application, uh, the mobile application, r- really it's designed in a way that is is very intuitive and we're not really asking uh, for the officer to do a lot to actually get fingerprints. You know, officer safety is key. We understand, you know, during the traffic stop, the officer's paying attention to a lot of different things. You know, so we tried to make the application as easy as, you know, putting your hand in front of the phone and holding it there for uh, a second and getting fingerprints, right? So that training really the only part that becomes a, a little bit of a training issue is is just how far do you keep the phone away from a subject's hand every phone manufacturer uh, the the actual camera in the phone it tends to have a different focal point even across iOS phones and Android phones so as uh, someone taking the fingerprints you know finding that distance uh, away from the device that takes the best fingers is a little bit of a training issue well we do have indicators inside the application that help you get the right distance but yeah if it's the the first time doing it, usually you have to show someone this is about where you go. And and typically after someone takes their prints a few times, uh, you know, it's a non-issue. They could just move forward with the technology.
1: Thank you for bringing up how important this is to officer safety, because I think that this technique can really fill a void there. Mike, you also mentioned that this technique is beneficial to individuals with special needs. Can you tell us a little bit more about that program?
2: I mean, you probably have all heard about a, a person maybe who have wandered away from a um, retirement home or a person with special needs, maybe autism found in the street, and it's uh, difficult finding where they, you know, they live. So we in Michigan have passed a law that basically stating um, we as parents are special uh, guardians of special needs kids or uh, guardians of elderly, um, maybe with dementia or whatever you <laughs> We can allow them to fingerprint, store it in the database along with a photo, and we can use fingerprints and facial recognition both on the street to be able to identify them, and it'll immediately alert the officer if they're ever in contact with them that this person's special needs, and they may not be able to respond to directives. Special needs sometimes does mirror, like unfortunately, someone with high drug use or strung out on drugs or on alcohol, and so there's a different way we respond to those people who are uh, maybe having issues with um, substance and those that have special needs. There's a different voice we use. Different demeanor, and if we can get these responses back, and usually within fifty seconds, these responses come back from on the um, mobile ID. Um, we can figure out who we're dealing with and really understand.
1: Thank you for discussing that, Ross. Can you discuss what some of the challenges are for law enforcement when it comes to implementing this technology?
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. You know, one of the biggest challenges I think uh, facing law enforcement today is uh, the actual just use of mobile devices. A lot of agencies, you know, they, they already budget for having cell connectivity in the patrol cars. You know, some haven't budgeted to actually provide devices to, to their officers. And under no conditions would we ever expect an officer to utilize this type of technology on their personal phone for a number of different reasons. So. Okay. For those agencies that are looking to leverage this technology, it's it's really important, first off, to have a a mobile device management system in place to be able to manage your fleet of mobile devices. Uh, Essentially, this is going to give you control. So whether an officer loses a phone or it gets stolen, you can can wipe it uh, or clean it from a remote location. So these are kind of uh, just best practices that that agencies need to kind of look at and uh, implement before they can really start, you know, leveraging some of the apps on the phone. Uh, again, you know, under no condition would we ever want someone using their personal device to do this kind of thing. So that's been a little bit of a, a challenge when we've spoken to some agencies but you know as time goes on you're going to see more and more officers get department issued phones which is really going to open up their ability to use a lot of cool tools in the field like like contactless technology apps
1: mike can you talk about some of the implementation challenges your agency faced and what the future of implementation looks like at your agency
2: with new technology there's there's always especially a little resistance for more of the older generation but the younger generations are pretty much demanding this nowadays so the, a lot of the resistance we had is going from something that's familiar to something new people know that that needs to happen so they're they're coming around but it's it's a selling tool and we want it to be perfect as we push it out to the field because once that first impression comes if it's not a good one you know they have a tendency to uh, be less likely to use it What's really stopping us to go from full implementation right now is um, the FBI still needs to test to make sure that it is okay to hit their database. We're not approved to hit the FBI database as of now. We can hit our Michigan database. So anybody who, you know, commits a crime in Wisconsin or a different state, we won't know that on a mobile ID hit right now with contactless. So we're looking to start testing with them later on in the year and hopefully uh, be done with that and get approved pretty quickly. I guess one of the other roadblocks in getting this technology is funding and um, really with as many things as this can help. So you're talking about public safety, you're talking about officer safety, you're talking about uh, special needs. You can really plug into a lot of grants. There's a lot of grants out there. Um, One of the times we advanced our contact technology, we got quite a sizable grant to be able to buy new equipment to actually do this. So, there are grants out there that you can plug into. You just have to look for them.
1: You brought up that because you haven't been able to fully implement this technology and you can only search the prints in Michigan. Are you also taking the traditional type of prints in addition to the contactless prints of individuals
2: So as far as enrollment, um, we are still only using contact prints, and we will probably, for the foreseeable future, for the queries, we are doing them side by side right now. So, we are doing the contacts with the contact prints. Um, Once uh, the FBI comes along and able to approve it, then we will allow the contactless to be operated in Michigan. There has been discussions to allow the contactless to be uh, approved in Michigan without the FBI. just So, it does limit us to the Michigan database and any crimes in Michigan, but um, sometimes that the thought process is is something is better than nothing. So, we're in discussion of that right now.
1: Ross, is this technology being used anywhere outside of Michigan?
3: Uh, Yeah, actually, that's a great question. Um, So IDIMI has been developing our mobile biometric check application for the last few years and working with, with agencies like Michigan State. However, we have worked with a couple of other agencies to actually implement the same type of solution. The folks in the Arizona Department of Public Safety do have our mobile biometric check application, and they are currently right now searching their own state uh, database or their state APHIS system for fingerprints. And then we also have uh, another uh, customer in, in the Northeast part of the, of the United States that's used the technology uh, essentially for identification in a number of different use cases. So, yeah. We do have implementations, again, that there is a a tendency from some agencies to wait until we have the full FBI approval. Again, agencies, in addition to just searching their state AFIS, they really would like to search the risk database as well. So for those folks that have uh, AFIS systems that that are at the state level that suffice for what they're doing, it's a great opportunity to implement the technology today.
1: So from a disaster victim identification or an unidentified human remains standpoint, could this technology be used to help identify deceased individuals?
3: Yeah, that's that's a great question. And and we hear that a lot. A lot of times, uh, you know, identifying someone uh, out in the field it becomes really important. And if that person's not respondent or unfortunately has deceased, really you're reliant on the fingerprint images to kind of find out who that person is. From a, a purely you know deceased type of individual, there is going to be a breakdown of the fingerprint over time and it will uh, decompose over a certain amount of time. And, and uh, unfortunately, once, once a body uh, you know, has, has gotten to that point, uh, you won't be able to take fingerprints from it. But you know, there's a certain amount of time after someone's been deceased where you can still use contactless technology to get the fingerprints in a similar way that you would a contact device. And uh, yeah, there's a certain amount of time afterwards where that would work just fine to get their fingerprints. And from a law
2: enforcement perspective, um, that's
3: probably one of the reasons I was most shocked that that
2: mobile ID was used for um, was for deceased individuals. And contactless and contact um, can pretty much pick up the same ridge structures about the same amount, for the same amount of time. We've had certain um, people report that they've uh, been in the morgue for four or five days and they have no problem picking up their fingerprints.
1: So we've talked about using this technology on developing fingerprints from individuals. But on crime scenes, as we all know, uh, you can develop latent prints. Could this technology be used in that capacity at all?
3: Currently, the, the contactless technology, it's not at a point right now where you can just take your phone and, and take a picture of a latent fingerprint and, and send it through for search. Unfortunately, the, the cameras in your normal smartphones today are just not equipped with the technology to, to actually just get that image off of you know, the various different surfaces that you might find a latent fingerprint we have been experimenting with certain applications. Uh, we know that if you treat the fingerprint, or you, you dust the fingerprint, or put a fluorescent light on the fingerprint, it does usually make the image easier to capture. And and there is some a possibility to kind of kind of use a phone in conjunction with some of your traditional methods to to get latent fingerprints. But uh, unfortunately, it's not a technology right now that's, that's kind of been developed to a point where it's, it's easy for people to use, and, and it's really going to provide a, a time-saving or benefit. Again, we think that moving forward, that's going to be extremely beneficial to crime scene investigators to, to just use their phone to capture latents. But currently, the technology is just, just not there just yet.
1: Yeah, I think that's the dream, right, for crime scene investigators to be able to process and get those prints and search them right away and provide those leads to law enforcement as soon as possible.
3: Yeah, of course. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, and, you know, a lot of times in those, those scenarios, time is of the essence, right? So the faster you can, can get a latent print in for search and the faster you can make an identification, you know, it, it's really going to provide a lot of value to the agencies that are working the case and actually, you know, getting the case, you know, solved as quickly as possible.
1: Ross and Mike, thank you for your time today discussing this topic with us. It has been a pleasure speaking with you.
3: Thank you so much. Thank you.
1: If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and follow Just Science on your platform of choice. For more information on today's topic and resources in the forensics field, visit forensicscoe.org. I'm Jacqueline McKay, and this has been another episode of Just Science. Next week, Just Science sits down with Brian McVicker
0: to discuss processing fabric for footwear and tire impressions using ninhydrin. Opinions or points of views expressed in this podcast represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of its funding.